I appreciate you guys coming, uh, even knowing that I was going to be speaking this week. Um, my sister planned her vacation after she found out, so. <laughs> I want to share a little bit today about um, the Father's leadership. And uh, I almost said Kurt, Jerry. Um, Jerry pretending to be Kurt, shared out of Proverbs 14. Verse 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I want to talk a little bit out of John 10. Um, You guys have your Bibles and could open to John 10. I love the book of John. This music's 10. You guys familiar with John 10? The book of John is really incredible. In it, you get to see uh, Jesus and throughout the book of John talking about himself and his relationship to the Father more clearly than in any other book. And it, it's, this, this book is um, defined by Jesus' teachings and, and some of his, like, his most, most in-depth and lengthy prayers in the book of John. And so if, if you've not studied the book of John, I, I really encourage you to get in there because as we know, Jesus is the full glory of the Father revealed. So in him, we get to see what the Father is like. It'll stay. See, you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. I have a 10-pound world's most holy Bible, Okay. <laughs> So when I preach from this thing, the weighty presence. (laughs) My eyes are good enough. We'll leave it there. Uh, Oh, that's a good one. I I can feel it. Thanks, Josh. Thanks. That works. Thanks, sir. So, all right, (laughs) sorry. So I want to talk about John 10, because in it, there's a facet of the Father that I think we need to see and understand very clearly if we're to fully enter into his purposes for each of us individually. So in a church setting, it's easy for us to get to get caught up in the I'm, I'm going to be a good person kind of faith. Uh, I'm going to try not to mess up. I'm going to try not to sin. I'm going to try uh, not to become a certain way. I'm going to try not to be like I used to be. And we, we start to define ourselves by a lot of negatives, what I'm not anymore, what I don't do. But ultimately, we have a father who created us specifically for us to be someone and to do certain great works, right? Ephesians 2 makes that very, very clear. We were created in Christ Jesus, right? And he's got good things intended for us to walk into. So in this capacity, we are forced to step away from a a life that says, I'm going to define myself by what I'm not and what I don't do, and instead, I'm going to define myself by what I am and what I do do. Doo-doo. I'm sorry. I have little kids, so I can't help it. Um, 
Is he here who's laughing? Amen. So how do we find out who we are but by seeking the one who created us, by asking the one who created us? We cannot know who we are if we've not heard who we are from the Father who conceived us, built us, designed us for a specific purpose. And one of the joys and glories that we have in this life is knowing the Father who created us. Not knowing about Him solely, but truly knowing Him, interacting with Him, walking with Him, communing with Him, knowing Him, experientially knowing who He is, allowing Him to speak to us, to lead us, to direct us, to guide us. So I want to share a little bit of my own path that, that gets me so hung up in John 10. About 15, and it's been longer than that, 17, 16, 17 years ago, I had a kind of a reset. God got my attention again, and uh, I'd grown up in the church, spent a few stupid years in the late teens, uh, so Jerry's talk about teenagers really hit home for me. Thanks, Jerry. Um, but back on track in my early 20s, and... I thought I was going to be a pastor, just a full-time pastor, you know. So I showed up here at Water's Edge Church, and I told Pastor Tuttle in 2003, I said, hey, I got a call to ministry. And uh, presuming that I would then be handed the pulpit for the next 20 years, and instead he said, cool, there's a pile of chairs in the back, start stacking. Um, So I became the chair stacker and door greeter for the college services. So that was ministry. And over the next 10 or so years, I had God radically confront what I thought I wanted for my life. I was going to be a pastor. I was going to travel around and, you know, rescue the world. I wasn't going to have children because they, as we all know, get in the way of ministry. Um, And so I was going to be, you know, maybe married. Uh, I wanted to be married, but... You know, that was kind of iffy. It was more about what I was going to be and the recognition I was going to get. And so over the next few years, God just confronted me again and again and again with the path that I was choosing for my life, that Proverbs passage. There's a way that seems right to a man. Now, for me, this path was so right because I could see all the ways that I was going to help other people. I was going to share the gospel. What's bad about that? I was going to see thousands of people get saved and come to Jesus traveling around and preaching and speaking to crowds. What's wrong with that? There's a way that seems right to a man. And that was me. So fortunately, I, was, I got married by some miracle. My wife's blind, so good news for me. And um, we were told that we were not going to be able to have kids. So I was like, that's cool. Because they just get in the way. Five kids later, that doctor was wrong. Um, And I found that my children are my ministry. They are my legacy. Sometimes it's 15 seconds. Other times they get aggressive. It's like three minutes. We didn't have drums this week, so they're probably not mad. It might only be 15, 20 seconds. 
I could be wrong. <laughs> I'm getting somewhere. We're getting into John. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is really important. Jesus in the New Testament, I'm sorry, it's not that bad. In the New Testament, Jesus is describing the Father as one who speaks to the sheep. And he's defining the sheep's knowledge of the right path by their ability to hear the shepherd's voice. This is the New Testament. This is the book of John. What's that mean? It means that Jesus is telling us that you can hear your father speak and you can know where he wants to lead you by discerning what he's saying to you. This is really important because as sheep, there's a path for us that we can't see. See, the difference between a sheep and a shepherd is perspective. The sheep are looking down, and they're interested primarily in what's right in front of them. The scope of their knowledge, understanding, and vision is limited, right? They don't see the end from the beginning. They just see the next few steps. As brilliant as we are as people, present company accepted, um, as brilliant... That was a joke. Um, <laughs> as brilliant and intelligent as all of us are, our perspective and our understanding is dramatically limited when compared with God's, yeah? I mean, we know that, right? You guys, okay, three of you guys know it. Okay, the, other, the rest of you guys, got, we're going to go back and start in Isaiah. Um, we'll get to John tomorrow afternoon. So we have a limited scope of understanding when compared with the shepherd, with our father. We don't see everything he sees. We don't see the pitfalls, the rocky crags. We don't see the predators that are sneaking up. We only see what's in front of us. And yet, from that limited understanding, how often do we wrestle with the shepherd as he's trying to lead us in a path he knows is better for us? How often does God say, let's do this? And, and, okay, so... If God said, go to China tomorrow, how many of us would pack up and go to China? I, would, I think probably the majority of you guys. If you're in college, 100%. <laughs> okay. So we're going to China. Boom, pack up, let's go. Right? You heard God speak. I'm going to China. Okay? Or Africa or Malawi or wherever. I, I want you to go to Malawi. Boom, I'm going. I'm packed up. I'm going right? But when he says, hey, go up front and ask someone to pray for you, we go, whoa, hey, well, hold on. 
I, what, I'm going to be one of those, have you seen these charismatic people? Look at that guy. He won't stop crying. Who are these freaks? I want you to go over and pray for that lady over there. She looks lonely. Yo, I'm not comfortable with that. Malawi, fine. Pray for the lady in Walmart. Yeah. And we wrestle with our limited perspective against the one who knows. See, the thing about sheep is they don't go from where they are today to the green pastures or the still waters. It's one step for them. It's just one step. And when he says, hey, Malawi, we go, sure, sign me up. But when he says, take this next step, we go, hold on a second. I'm really comfortable right here. And the challenge for us is hearing the shepherd as he says, this is the next step for you. One step. I see nothing more. I know nothing more. But I trust you because I know your voice. I know your goodness because I've met you, I've encountered you, I've experienced you, and I trust your leadership and your intentions for me that you'll carry me through to where it is you're leading me. See, most of us, especially in our younger years, we have grand visions of where God could take us and the things we could do together with him. And often we get disqualified because when he asks us to do something simple and something small, we won't take that one step that qualifies us for the next step. We like the idea of what we become, but we don't like the steps he requires us to take to get there. This is the challenge of Proverbs, where he says there is a way that seems right to a man. The problem that we have is that we are brilliant, because we've been made in his image. And we think we know the best course for us to get from where we are today to where we want to be down the road. The problem is that's not how this works with the Father. Why? Because we're too prone to independence. We're too prone to try to do life on our own. And the thing the Father's most interested in is not getting us to the destination of what we become at the end of the road. The thing the Father's most interested in is getting to know us as we travel to that destination at the end of the road. It's far less about the destination than it is about the knowledge of the Father that we develop and grow in as we go. The only way that happens is if we're communing with him, seeking only the next step, and enjoying him in each stage of the journey. The reason I felt this was so relevant is that there are a lot of you guys that are kind of new to this church and to what God's doing, and there has been a very... um, uh, I've, I've been acutely aware that that God has been doing something over the last few weeks here in these services, which is really exciting. The reason I'm sharing this is that I think all of us have to have a clear understanding that 
God's not going to take us from where we are today to where we want to be with him 20 years from now without simple steps of daily obedience. I started this whole study in uh, Hebrews 11, which is the faith chapter. You guys know this book, the Hebrews 11 faith chapter? It's radical. These people are amazing. You know, he's describing all these great things that Abraham and Moses and David, all these guys have done, right? The exploits of the heroes of the faith, right? That's us. We go, sign me up for that life. Sign me up for that calling. I'm going to be the guy who changes the world for Jesus, right? And I get caught up in that. I get so excited, but the side of me that understands that there's a requirement, there's a prerequisite to becoming one of those heroes of faith. And it's that we develop a daily communion with the Father and simple obedience that comes from that communion. Hey, I want you to stop watching these movies. They're not good for you. Hey, I want you to stop wasting so much time over here doing this. It's not really getting you to where you want to be. Hey, I want you to have an accountability partner with the things that you're looking at on your computer. These simple steps of obedience is what leads to radical transformation over the course of time. But we don't get transformed without the daily communion with the Father and with the simple steps of obedience that come from that communion. So how does that have anything to do with what's happening in these services? Because I think what's happening is a lot of you guys are feeling God speak to you in these really new and subtle ways. You're having like this feeling like, oh, gee, I got to ask someone to pray for me or, gee, I got to... I got to go talk to that guy and, and, and tell him, you know, confess something. I remember, I remember about 10, 11 years ago, I was sharing in a service on a Saturday night. There was like six people here. Four of them had never been in church before. And I'm sharing and I'm just talking and it was kind of a boring night, to be honest with you. Um, a lot like this. Um, and boring message, you know, and, and at the end of the service, this kid comes up to me, okay, and he had a page and a half of a full notebook paper, and he hands it to me, and I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, introduce myself, I'd never seen him before, what's this? While you were speaking, I felt like I was supposed to write down every bad thing I've ever done, and I'm confessing my sin to you. I'm like, wow, you are a good kid. It's only a page and a half. <laughs> I'd have filled three versions of Webster's. This is great. He's like, I just felt like I was supposed to tell someone everything I've ever done. Can you pray with me to believe in Jesus? I'm like, I think you already do. <laughs> Never been here. Felt like God was moving his heart, so he just started going, the kid sitting beside him, we found out later, had felt like there was fire going up and down his body. Couldn't explain it. He's just like, I feel like God's doing something. I hope so, or we got other problems. <laughs> Sometimes when God's speaking, it's so subtle that we can brush it off and go, no, 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 no. That's, no, nah, you don't really, you're not saying that. <sighs> and he is, and you know he is. And if you leave 
without doing what he's asking you to do, you're going to miss out on that next step of the journey that the sheep gets to take with the shepherd that leads to the still waters in the green pastures. So for us, when we're in this setting, we have a responsibility and a privilege to hear and respond as he starts to stir us in these small ways. Maybe the small way for you, so I've had, I've had experience, I remember being at a conference 2004, and for me, worship was this. And I, I was an internal worshiper. Any internal worshipers here? Yeah, Polly, I know. <laughs> we'll talk later. It's all internal. I don't singing. I'm not doing any of that singing stuff. Who's this freak with his hand up down the aisle? We get that thing down, right? And I'm at a conference, and there's this uh, this Irish group up there, Robin Mark. Any of you guys ever heard of Robin Mark from like the '90s? Okay, Ed, where there's like four of us that are old enough. Um, and he's up there, and he's worshiping the Lord. He's this Irish guy in this incredible voice, and. I feel like the Lord goes, put your hands up. And I'm like, that's not that. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> and, I, you know, I can feel like i got to put my hands up. And I'm like, get thee behind me. And as the service goes on, I'm like, you know, and maybe I'll just do one. Are we good? You know, get him up there. And finally, you know, get the arms up there. And it's no exaggeration. As soon as my arms go up, whoosh, This incredible encounter never would have happened. That was me, right? So I needed to do this because there was something in me that's restraining me from receiving fully from my father and what he wants to do. You might be one of these people, you know, you might be the tree in the wind in the front, okay? And he might say, just sit down. No, I'm the tree in the wind. I'm the interpretive worshiper, okay? I I don't care what it is. What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you? What he says to me at this point is very different than what he would say to me then. (laughs) Right? Because I'm not at the same point in the journey with the shepherd that I was 15 years ago. I can put my hands up and worship now. I'm comfortable. I can stand there with my hands in my pockets, Polly. <sighs> but what's he saying to me today? Right? Maybe today he's, he's telling me I need, to, I need to get down, get on my knees. Okay? What's he saying to you? today. This is important because the danger is that in a community setting like this, we look around and we think we have to do what everyone else is doing. But what's remarkable and beautiful and powerful is that our Father, the Good Shepherd, the perfect leader, speaks to each of us individually, separately, in a community setting. 
That means that we have to trust other people, that they're hearing from God and what he's saying they should do in each situation. My interest is not having everyone standing with their arms in the air, sobbing like a baby. My interest is in having everyone take the next step that the shepherd has for them in that day, in that moment. I've been in a transition season. It started in April of 18. It was the first time God said transition. And I was, thought transition was going to happen in a moment. Transition, you know, it happens in a moment. April of 18 was the first time he said transition. And fortunately, I called a friend in California, and I was like, hey, I got this thing going on. And he says, um, transition is rarely ever a moment. It's almost always a season. Bummer. Because <laughs> you just want it to happen, right? You're into the next thing. So transition season. And so what does transition require? It requires an attentiveness to the voice of the Father and the shepherd to make sure I don't miss the next step and thereby fail to make the transition that he wants to lead me into. So eight, 18 months, I think 18 months daily, I'm listening and communing. And every day, he had a different thing. Incredible, right? And I remember thinking, wow, these transition seasons are something. Like he really comes and gets close in these transition, transition seasons. It's hard to say that without sounding intoxicated. I apologize. Transition seasons. He gets so near and he's, he's sharing his heart every day. And every day there's a new thing with him. And it was about eight months in and I'm like, you idiot. It's not transition season. It's the way our father is. Every day is a transition. Anybody ever had a day just like the, uh, the one before it? Every day is a transition. We live in a transition season. And if we'll listen and we'll obey and become faithful with each request he makes of us, each step he asks of us, we will learn that he communes in such a way that every day he's got something to say, every day we take another step, and every day we know the Father more deeply than the day before. So whatever it is that you think you're doing, I would ask you to shelf it. Just set it on a shelf unless you've heard it from him and you know it. If you think you have a plan, just set it aside until you've got his plan. And I'll tell you, sometimes he shows you his plan that's 20 years down the road, and then he forces you to just put that on a shelf and kind of forget about it so that you can just join with him in each day. Sheep to the shepherd. What is our plan for this day, Father? What are you saying in this day? And what would you ask of me in this day? What are we doing together today, Father? That's how he plans. He'll show you because he, he wants you to have your heart connected to the journey, right? And he knows how we are, right? Without vision, my people perish. 
So he's going to show you things that he has for you. That doesn't necessarily mean that today is the day you just jump into that. Okay? Some of them you can't make happen on your own. Great. You don't need to. But you don't have to force your way. You have a father who's good. He's a phenomenal leader, and he knows how to get you where he wants you to be. So as he shows you these, th- these things, the question isn't, okay, I'm jumping into that today. The question then becomes, okay, Father, what are you saying today? And what's the step we take today? And as we get to know him, we walk with him daily, and we obey daily, we'll ultimately end up in the promised land that he showed us sometimes 20 years ago. There's a really cool story I like to, I like to um, reference, and it's Shar's mother. How many of you guys have ever met Mima? She's here quite a bit. Sometimes she's easy to miss because she fits in with the seven-year-olds. She's pretty small. Pastor Tuttle jokes that he found the last pygmy tribe of Arkansas when he met Char and her family. She's teeny tiny. She's a powerful woman. Okay, When she was like 11 years old, she had visions of Africa. <laughs> of being... It's not even mine. (laughs) She's 11. She has literal dreams, sees herself as a missionary in Africa. 55 years go by. She's a mom. Lots of stuff goes on in life. Raises kids, sees grandkids. Doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. Faithful. Fifty-five years later, Africa. She's been there every year since. Goes for several months at a time. Has a powerful, powerful ministry in Africa. Furthermore, her daughter receives that legacy, right? Because when God shares something, it's, it's not always just for you. It might be for your children. Her daughter receives that same inheritance. Now Sharon and Pastor have been over in Malawi year after year after year, sometimes two, three times a year, and they're having, uh, they're, they're doing ministry to over 1,200 pastors. They're influencing tens of thousands of people over there from a dream that Char's mom received when she was 11 and had to walk faithfully day in and day out for over 50 years before she saw it fulfilled. If you'll be faithful to the daily communion, daily obedience with the Father, He will lead you into all the paths that he has for you. And more importantly, by the time you get to your destination, you will know him so thoroughly, you'll be able to call him friend. So that's where we're going to close. So I'm going to ask you guys as the worship team comes back up, if God is and has been or continues to over the next few weeks speak to you about small things, Don't worry about the big things. Just focus on the small things. Do it. It might be when you're in prayer in the morning and he says, hey, I want you to, you know, talk to your coworker, invite him to church, or I'm using just possibilities. Maybe it's a lady in Walmart you see and she's, you know, having a hard time with her back and you're going to go pray for her. Maybe it's inviting someone over for dinner. Maybe it's giving a homeless person some money or a meal. You know, maybe it's cutting with Sammy. 
Lord help you if you get to do that. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. It matters that you do it. So as he speaks, please respond. And if you failed to respond to something he's spoken and you know you failed to respond, go back to that. Apologize. Ask him to forgive you and say, I want another chance. What are you asking me to do today? And ask and then respond. Amen? So, Father, we thank you that you speak so clearly. Father, that we have the privilege, like sheep with a shepherd, of knowing your voice, like a friend who calls on the phone. When you speak, we grow in familiarity with your voice. Because you will continue speaking to us, I ask that you'll give us a grace, courage, and a faith to respond as we hear you. We don't want to miss out on anything you have for us in each day. So give us a discipline to start each day and end each day in communion with you. Give us a grace to obey you when we hear from you and you ask us to do something if you ask us to do something. And give us the joy in all of it to be able to enjoy the relationship and the communion that we have with you. There is no greater inheritance, there is no greater joy than knowing you, our Father. We love you. Amen. Amen. Whatever it is, don't leave before you've done it. Start today on the right foot. Tomorrow will come easier. Father, may your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know your voice better than any other. May they know your presence better than any other experience. As they go out and they walk through this community, may everything they do be reflective of you. May they carry your presence like an aroma. May they be known for their love. We love you, Father.